the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Robert Murray McShane once said he felt it was impossible to desire with sufficient ardor or love two things, personal holiness and the honor of Christ in the salvation of souls. Now that second one, that's what we'll be focusing on here today on Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands, right here in San Bruno. Welcome to our program. We are back in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, looking at evangelism and why it is so important to support evangelism, the very heartbeat of God. Paul lays it out in a marvelous fashion. Won't you join us? Here's Pastor Leighton Sheely now as we study 1 Corinthians chapter 9. From Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, this you study verse by verse. In verse 20, he says to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. So in Christ, Paul was no longer bound to the ceremonies, and rituals, and traditions of Judaism, and they had no bearing or no effect on his spiritual life. But if by following those, he might have an open door as an opportunity to witness on behalf of Christ, then he would gladly accommodate that. And uh, what had been to him legal constraints now became constraints based upon love. He loved his fellow man, and for that reason, he wanted to win them to Christ. And for that reason, he didn't exercise his rights. An example of this, by the way, is found in Acts chapter 21. It says, When we arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and all the elders were present. They were meeting with the leaders of the church. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard this, they praised God. And then they said to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. What they were saying is there are thousands of believers now here in Jerusalem, Jewish people who have come to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but they're still zealous for the law. They still have their traditions. And they have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among Gentiles to turn away from Moses. And that was untrue. Telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. Also not true. What shall we do? They will certainly hear that you have come. They're going to say, we've got a problem here. When they hear that you're here and they've, they've heard these rumors, we're going to have a problem. What shall we do? So do what we tell you. There are four men with us who have made a vow. That would be a Nazarite vow. And take these men, join in their purification rites, and pay their expenses so that they can have their heads shaved. Then everybody will know there is no truth in these reports about you, but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. 
And so what uh, Paul could have said is, you know, listen, I'm not under the law. I don't need to do these Nazarite vows. I like my hair the way it is. Thank you very much. Provided he had hair, we don't know. Um, He could say, uh, I'm an apostle. I was called by Jesus himself on the road to Damascus. I don't need to do this. But what the scriptures tell us is that Paul went through as requested by the leaders of the church so that he could address these rumors that were going around that he didn't respect these traditions. And so he did that so he would have an opportunity to be received by Jewish believers so he could, and, and the Jewish community so that he could present the gospel of Jesus Christ. He then goes on to say that not only was he, did he live like a Jew when he was amongst Jews, but he lived like a Gentile when he was among Gentiles. Verse 21, to those outside the law, that's a reference to Gentiles. Basically, if you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile. To those outside of the law, I became as one outside of the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. Now, to be clear uh, about his meaning in this, Paul includes this parenthetical statement, not being outside the law of God. And what he meant was that becoming like a a Gentile did not include doing things that God expressly called sin. In fact, not only was he under the law of God, but he was under the law of Christ, which was even more stringent. For instance, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament law was thou shalt not kill. But Jesus took that a step further. He says, if you call a brother fool, you're basically guilty of the same. In the Old Testament, it says, do not commit adultery. But Jesus took it a step further. He said, if you even look upon a woman with lust in your eye, it's as good as having done the deed. And Jesus did not negate the laws that God established in the Old Testament, and neither did Paul. Paul said to the Gentiles, I became like a Gentile, except that I did not break any of God's laws. And I did so for the purpose of winning them to Christ. So he tried to identify with the culture in in which he lived. He ate what they ate, he went where they went, he dressed as they dressed, and the whole purpose behind it was to win them for Christ. He didn't want to cause needless offense. And and that was true also of the early church. Uh, In Acts chapter 15, the leaders of the church have gathered for a council, and they, they they were trying to learn how to respond to this growing tide of Gentiles who are coming into the church receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You see, until that time, the church was primarily Jewish. Jesus was Jewish. All of the apostles were Jewish. All the people that uh, were of that uh, first group were probably Jewish, the 3,000 in Acts chapter 2, because they were gathered together in Jerusalem for a Jewish religious holiday. Um, So the, the church was initially all Jewish, and then... Uh, We find in the book of Acts, things like Acts chapter 10 and other events where Gentiles are receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is verifying that salvation has come to the Gentiles. Gentiles are beginning to come into the church, and the church leaders don't know what to do with them. There are some Judaizers who want to make every incoming uh, Gentile believer be a Jewish proselyte before they'll be acceptable to the church. And so the church leaders get together and they talk about this. And after deliberation, James, who is the leader of the church, stands up and he summarizes their decision. 
Acts chapter 15. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. He says we're not going to require them to become Jewish proselytes. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, that would be meat offered to idols, from sexual immorality, and from the meat of strangled animals. The reason for that was that a strangled animal died with the blood still in it. The blood was not drained. The Jews were taught that life is in the blood. It's not appropriate to drink blood. And so uh, from, from meat of strangled animals and from drinking blood. Uh, and all of these, by the way, were practices uh, that were typical in pagan worship. And then he goes on to explain why in the next verse. He said, For Moses has been preached in every city from earliest times and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. So he gave these four directives, and they really served two purposes. First off, that they would not create needless obstacles to Gentiles who are receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior and coming into the church, that they would not be burdened with the ceremonial law and other such things. And secondly, so that these new Gentile believers who are coming into the church would not needlessly offend the Jews who had not yet received Jesus Christ as Lord. These were they who met in the synagogues every Sabbath to read the writings of Moses. And all of these four areas, drinking of blood, uh, eating meat sacrificed to idols, eating meat that the blood's still in it, and uh, sexual immorality were all associated with pagan forms of worship. And pagan forms of worship were very offensive to Jewish people. Verse 22, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. Now, this group of people he's referring to here are the weak, and, and they are the same ones that he were talking about in the previous chapter, those who have not yet grasped the liberty that is theirs in Christ. They're still, if they came from a, of a Gentile background, they're still under the influence of their pagan practices and superstitions. Uh, or if they came from a Jewish background, they're still under the influence of, of uh, Judaism. And, and, and I love the way that the Living Bible translates this passage. The Living Bible says, Yes, whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him, so he will let me tell him about Christ, and let Christ save him. Whatever a person is like, I try to find common ground with him, so he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. Who saves? Christ does. But it's up to us to tell them about Christ. And finding common ground is the key to building a relationship through which we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people. Finding common ground is the underlying method that Church of the Highlands uses for our evangelism outreach. We try to find common ground with our community, with those around us, and build friendships so that with those friendships we'll have the opportunity to share the gospel. And some of them might choose Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Our men's ministries look for common ground through common interests, areas that guys are passionate about, their hobbies or their work. You know the old saying, the only difference between men and boys is the cost and the size of their toys. That's true. And uh, most men are really shy, except if you start talking about something they're passionate about. 
If they're passionate about the Giants and you start talking about the Giants, they want to join in the conversation. Or the 49ers, they want to join in the conversation. Or muscle cars or motorcycles or hiking or whatever it is that they're passionate about, they want to join in the conversation. And when they join in the conversation, we have an opportunity to build a friendship. And in that friendship, we have the opportunity to share Christ. And they have the opportunity to accept or, or receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And, and some people have suggested our men's ministry has entirely too much fun. Good. Good. Uh, because we have a reason for it. Our reason for it is to find common ground with other men so that we can build a relationship show, so we can share the gospel with them. What a great way to explore ways of sharing Christ. You know, it's been said that if you've got an E string on a guitar tuned properly to another guitar with the same string and the same tuning, you pluck one and the other will start resonating, called a sympathetic string. And that is pretty much what the Apostle Paul is talking about here, isn't it? That sympathetic string, God is plucking the string of the gospel and salvation, and we respond in kind. If you'd like to know more, we invite you to our website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. Tomorrow, more out of 1 Corinthians 9. Join us then for Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.